The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've seen our breakout candidates. Now it's time to talk about the other end of the spectrum and who are the players that could potentially fall off and regress this season. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter or X at Ball Boys Fantasy. And uh, like we said at the top of the show, guys, we're going to go through the regression candidates, some players that have a risk of, at this season, taking a step back for a variety of different reasons. We've got a number of players to go through on today's podcast. Um, the, li- the last podcast we did, our last video on YouTube, is the was the breakout candidates. So again, would highly recommend going and checking that video out there as well. We went through a lot of players that could potentially win you your league. This video... This podcast, we're going to go through some of the players that could maybe potentially lose your league. Um, a lot more severity in changes for some of them than others, um, and for a variety of different reasons. But before we do that, just want to remind you guys that BallBoysNBA.com is open and available and ready for business. So head on over to BallBoysNBA.com to get the Ball Boys Season Guide. This year, it's bigger and better than it was last season where we're going to go through um, my top 150 rankings for categories and for points leagues, as well as projections for all all categories, all systems, points, categories, nine cat, minus one rankings. Um, I'm also working very hard on some Dynasty content as well. So my Dynasty uh, rankings, top 250, will be out soon-ish. And my rookie rankings will be out. Also in the future, I will be updating that throughout the season. And we'll be doing lots of articles and all sorts of fun things leading up into this season. So go out and check ballboysmba.com. But let's get stuck into the video and the pod here. Starting off at the top of the draft with regression candidate number one, and that is Anthony Davis. Now, Anthony Davis, the in a lot of these, again, uh, just to preface what we're doing in this podcast, as we go through, I'm going to be talking about the, the player. What is the reason that they may progress? And how much of a concern is it for me when I'm thinking about drafting them? Okay, so for this one here, Anthony Davis, the risk and the reason why he might progress is a loss in rebounds. 
He was previously the year before last, or the two years before last year, uh, averaging... Excuse me. Quick sneeze of the pod. Um, He was averaging nine rebounds, 9.9, 7.9, and 9.3, the three seasons prior to last year, where he jumped right back up to 12.5. Now, that was in most part, in my opinion, because he played a lot more at center last year. Now, every season, every preseason, Anthony Davis is talking about wanting to play less minutes at center, more at power forward to preserve his body. But, I mean, coincidentally, he played 56 games, the most games he played in the entire season for the past three years when he played predominantly at center last year. I don't know, Anthony Davis, maybe just suck it up and play center. It's not that big of a deal. But there's obviously a huge difference between, you know, nine or ten rebounds and twelve and a half rebounds. So they've gone out and they've signed Christian Wood recently as well. Now, I think Anthony Davis will still start a center with, I think they've named Rui Hachimura, LeBron James as the front court um, players there. But maybe this season you do see a little bit of a drop in minutes at center and maybe you do see some Christian Wood, Anthony Davis lineups. I don't know. It's I'm a concern level of two out of five, so I'm not that concerned, but I am not projecting him to be a 12.5 rebound guy. I think he's probably closer to 10 or 11 rebounds per game, somewhere in that kind of a range, just because there is, every year, the quotes of Anthony Davis saying, I don't want to play as much center. I want to protect my body, save it for playoffs, and oh, I'm just sick of it, really, at this point, because it doesn't make any sense to me, um, center position, it's probably better for him, in all honesty. He's not having to move around as much on the perimeter, but I digress. He is at a little bit more of a concern to drop his rebounds down slightly because of that, but I don't think really we should worry too much. The main thing is his health, right? We want him to be healthy throughout the season. Um, but on top of that, slight drop in uh, rebounds is potentially there. Next regression candidates. This one's a pretty obvious one. Damian Lillard. Now, obviously, we don't know where he's going to be playing the majority of this season. Right now, he's at Portland, but the risk for Dame here is that he gets traded to a team where he potentially, say he moves to somewhere like the Clippers. He's in a situation where he is no longer the, by far and away, top guy on that team. So last season, he was one of the highest usage players in the league. He also has one of the highest uh, free throw attempt rates. He gets the line a lot which is a big boost to his value. So he had a usage of 33.3. Very, very hard for him to improve or maintain that. And even if it's just a slight drop in usage this season, because he's a player that relies solely on points, threes, free throws, uh, percentage at high volumes, even if you just scale that back down to maybe a usage of 30 it does take a small hit to his value. So I'm not too concerned about it. I've got a concern level of two, similar to Anthony Davis. So... I still think he's a first-rounder, and even if he is traded, I don't think it's going to completely just destroy his value or anything like that. At worst, he'll be a a high-end second-round player, so I still feel quite comfortable drafting him in the first round towards the back end, but we do have to... It does... There is a risk level of him going to a team, and if it is the Clippers, or even if it is the Miami Heat, when he was playing last year with Jeremy Grant and Nurkic and Anthony Simons, they're not as a high usage or, you know, offensive focused players as a team like um, Miami, where they've got Jimmy Butler and Bear Matabayo on that side there. So I still think he's going to be great. Small usage for him does hurt a little bit because he doesn't have those defensive stats to really bolster his um, other value. But 
I'm not too concerned. So consume level of two, still happy to go inside the first round. This next... Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. A different story. Um, James Harden, risk is obviously the trade, the holdout, the sulking, um, or the second risk is if he is traded before the season or during the season, he goes to a team like the Clippers, and he is now going from playing next to Joel Embiid to playing next to Kawhi and Paul George and maybe Russell Westbrook if he's still there, and there's just a lot of mouths to feed on that team. He's also another year older. I don't know how much he's going to come into the season in shape. Obviously, we've seen um, Chunky Harden in the past. Um, so I think there's a few risks. My concern level is a four out of five. I'm quite concerned about James Harden compared to a Damian Lillard who, to me, at least from an outsider's perspective, is a bit more of a consummate professional and will, will go out there and play and play to his best ability to get himself traded, keep his value high. I can really see a scenario where James Harden goes out if he's on the Philadelphia 76ers and just sulks and kind of doesn't play hard, lets players blow by by him, doesn't show any you know efforts in, on offense or defense, and the coaches go, well, what the hell are you doing on the court? Get on the bench. Um, or he completely holds out and doesn't play, uh, you know, fakes injuries or something like that until he is traded. And then when he is traded, I mean, what team is really trading for him that's a better situation than Philadelphia? I don't think there's actually too many. So I'm quite concerned about his value this season. Um, you know, you look at his numbers last year and, and if he was on this team, he would be close to a first-round guy again. But I don't know where he goes that he gets 10-plus assists. I don't know where he goes that he's getting the same free-throw rate that he's currently getting at the moment as well. I just think there's a lot of downsides here for James Harden. So it's pretty obvious one. I'm concerned, obviously, regression candidate here is... Um, and he's, he's not really... He's being drafted later, and, and that's taking that into account. So people are switched on to this one. But, yeah, definitely, definitely concerned for myself. The next one here... JJJ. So not all old people on this uh, on this list. Some younger players. So Jaron Jackson Jr. The regression here really comes down to his blocks. Now Jaron was a first round player last season by nine category rankings on the back of him blocking three shots per game. He did that in 28 minutes a night. So you could argue that he's going to see an increase in in minutes. He's going to see an increase in usage while Jar is out. That's all well and good. But the risk is here that. He increases his blocks, sorry, he increases his uh, offense usage and the blocks go down. And it's very, very difficult for me to project a player to get anywhere close to three blocks per game. So when it comes to his overall value and ranking, I think that it's it's definitely more in line of him being a regression candidate than a, 
than a breakout or, or someone who's going to improve this season because there is much more volatility to the blocks, to the efficiency that might come with an increased role and usage on offense than him just being that three blocks per guy that he was last season. I wouldn't be expecting that. So again, when we're looking at his value and where he's being drafted, where he's being drafted, the numbers would suggest that he's going to go out and block three shots a game or 2.8 shots a game again this season. I just don't think that that is the way that you should be viewing that because then you have the opportunity for him to really hurt you and not bring that value to your team. Um, And when there are blocks really more accessible this season, Chet, uh, Wemby, there's going to be more Mark Williams, there's going to be Onyeka Kongu that might break out. There's a lot of guys you can get at the end of the draft, Daniel Gafford, all of these guys that weren't providing as much value last season just brings the value of his blocks down a little bit, even if it was the same amount as last season. Um, but like I said, I think that's very... It's, it's not very... Um, wise to um, expect that to happen again. So he is, despite being a young player, a regression candidate to me, and I would not expect a repeat of his uh, value uh, that was there last season. The next one here, another pretty obvious one, Kristaps Porzingis, again, a guy who was nearly in first-round value um, based on, again, his points, his threes, free-throw percentage, blocks, decent enough rebounds, and field goal. He goes to Boston from Washington, so goes to being the number three guy behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So I think, obviously, he's going to see less shots. He's going to see less attempts at the free throw line. But he should still be a good shot blocker. He should still put up some some decent threes. The free throw percentage is still going to be nice. So he will regress. How much is he going to regress? I'm at a concern level of three, so kind of... In the middle there, I don't think I'm too concerned that the injuries you also need to take into account as well. He was relatively healthy last season at 65 games, which for him is the highest in the last four seasons. So always have to keep that in mind as well. But I don't think this absolutely destroys his value. So he was, what was he, 13th ranked player in nine categories last season. I think he can be someone that you draft around that pick 25 to 35 kind of a range. Uh, I think that's that's a decent enough spot, maybe 30 to 40 if you're a, a little bit wary of the injuries, but he still is a guy that his fantasy game suits, um, or his game suits fantasy basketball really well because of the, the efficient scoring. I think in a team like Boston, you might even see his efficiency rise a little bit as teams focus on Brown and Tatum, um, less so on someone like a Porzingis. Um, so... I think that the regression comes from less shots, potentially less rebounds as well with um, Robert Williams and him playing a little bit together. How much is it him versus Al Horford versus him and Robert Williams? I think that does affect uh, his rebounding as well. So do also keep that in mind. Um, But I still think he's going to be pretty decent. So overall, I think he probably is at the moment going about where I expect him to to produce. So uh, in terms of his... ADP and regression from that position, I'm not too concerned. Larry Markin is another regression candidate. The uh, The risk or the worry here is that at the end of last season or the second half of last season, we did see his field goal percentage fall away to a fairly significant degree. So on the season, he averaged 49.9% from the field. And that was off the back of the first several months, him going absolutely crazy, shooting more than 50% from the field. But then the second half of the year, so the last three months, that dropped to 46%. The last two months dropping to 45%. Now, in that time, his field goal attempts increased. So he went from 
from the season, averaging 17.3 field goal attempts to 19.4, and then the last two months, 21.5 attempts. So four extra attempts in the last two months versus the average of the season. So the attempts rose and the field goal percentage dropped. Now, I think that kind of cancelled each other out in a way. My concern is that with a little bit more of a healthy team, um, Colin Sexton's back in there, you're adding a few rookies in there that, you know, I have some ability and, and definitely deserve some some shot attempts on this team. I worry that you're going to see both the regression in field goal percentage and maybe also the attempts. So if he's shooting um, the average of what he shot last last year at 17, but he's also doing that on that 46% and not the 50%, that is a hit to his value because, again, similar to a player like a Damian Lillard, he doesn't have the defensive stats to... Um, boost the value of his his game when the shots aren't falling in as well. So his breakout last season was in large part due to the fact that he got an insane jump in usage and shot attempts, but also a big jump in field goal percentage because, again, the year prior to that, he was at 44.5%. He's had a season at 48%, and then a season at 42.5%. So last year was by far his most efficient year, and he did it on the most amount of attempts that he's ever had. So I'm always a bit skeptical about something like that happening and maintaining. So I would be going and projecting him more at that 46-47% from the field and with those attempts to just scale back a little bit compared to the second half of last year um, when he was really just getting uh, shots up all over the place. So um, just keep that in mind. And I think that is, again, being reflected in his value. I don't really see him as a second rounder. He's definitely more of a third or fourth round guy to me um, because of the fact that I think you can expect a, a little regression in his field goal uh, percentage and potentially attempts as well. Next guy here, another somewhat obvious one, Bradley Beal. He is now being, uh, well, he's been traded over to the Phoenix Suns from Washington. He goes from being the number one guy to the number three guy, in my opinion, behind Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Again, there's some optimism that he's going to be playing the point guard position. I don't think that that necessarily materializes into a huge boost into his value. In fact, I think... Overall, it's a hit to his value because he is now the third guy in that pecking order behind those other two. So the shot attempts are going to come down, which reduces his threes, reduces his scoring. His free throw attempt rate, I think, will also go down as well. Now, you might see a a bump in his field goal percentage because he doesn't have to shoulder as much of that offensive load. That's true. I do expect that to happen a little bit myself, but I don't think it's enough to offset the drop in the attempts, I think that as a net uh, result, it's a it's a regression. It's a uh, a negative for him. Uh, and again, not a guy that gets many defensive stats. So you reduce a little bit of that, and he's going to fall away in his value. He was pretty much the point guard for Washington last season, anyway, um, averaging five point four assists. So I actually don't know how much room there is for that to go much higher than that. Look, I think he maybe might be able to get close to six, but I wouldn't be expecting more than six and a half, seven assists. I think, yeah, probably between that five and six range is about where I I think he'll stick. So I don't think it's going to dramatically improve. And then the usage threes, um, free throw attempts, I think are all expected to drop a little bit. So concern level of three there. I guess the level of concern would be higher if... um, you know, he wasn't, if they, they come out, came out and said that Booker was playing point guard and he's going to be, you know, a spot-up shooter. But he will 
have playmaking responsibilities. I also do think that the efficiency does approve in a situation like this, so that makes me not super concerned, but probably not a guy that I think I'd be drafting inside the top 50, in, in my opinion. DeAndre Ayton on that same team is the guy who's moving from third to fourth in line for the usage, and again, I think I'm at a concern level of four. I just I haven't seen DeAndre Ayton improve really at all since coming into the NBA. He kind of just still is doing what he did his rookie season. In fact, he's gotten worse in his uh, blocks, and he doesn't really do anything else except score okay, rebound, and get field goal percentage. Now, when you're a guy that relies on scoring and getting good field goal percentage and your attempts drop, both of, those th- the, both of those things take a hit. Even if the actual percentage improves, if you're doing it on fewer attempts, the net overall benefit is less. And again, doesn't get assists, doesn't get steals. The blocks have been dropping pretty much every year. Yet to shoot threes, which we thought he might be able to do eventually. I just think that he's, he's going to take a step back and he really doesn't do much that really helps us when that usage drops down because... Yeah, he's just going to take a backseat to those other three guys. And um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty, pretty boring fantasy player, I think, this season. One of the biggest regression candidates this season, I think, is Brook Lopez. Now, I think it's not a controversial thing to say that no one was expecting the year 15 or 14 breakout that we saw from Brook last season. He um, made a huge stride when it came to his minutes. So the previous few seasons, he was at 23, 27, and 27. And then all of a sudden, this past season, he was at 30.4. So I'm expecting him going back to that 27 minutes per night um, role. He's 35 years old. I also think that the usage will drop back. So again, last season, he was at 19 usage. He's had previous seasons where he's at 17 and 18. So I think that takes a small step back. And then it's the blocks. 2.5 blocks per game. He hasn't done that for multiple years. The previous two seasons, he was at... um, where was he? 1.2 and 1.5. So if those blocks come down to from 2.5 down to 2, they could come down as low as 1.5. Missing an entire block per game is catastrophic for his value. So he was a 20th ranked player last season. I think you can expect a fairly sizable regression for him. I think that he's not someone I'd really entertain drafting before pick 60, maybe even pick 70. Because if we cast our minds back to the previous season, we were drafting him outside the 100, 110, 120 sometimes in, in those points. And that's because that's the kind of value he was providing us the previous seasons. And again, his ranking is a little bit boosted by the fact that he's a low turnover guy. He's kind of average across the board. So when it comes to minus one rankings, that does hurt him a little bit as well. So he still will be a positive contributor in blocks. He still will get some rebounds and threes and do a, at a really efficient clip, but again, I just think those minutes come down, the block rate comes down, those two things combined together is just a, a big hit to his value when it was built so much off that in last season. So, uh, concern level of five, I think there is, the writing's on the wall for a big regression for Brook Lopez from last season, which was pretty out of the box. Next guy here, another younger player, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty concerned about this guy as well. Jarrett Allen. Now, you would have heard me gush over Evan Mobley yesterday in the previous podcast or whenever you listen to it um, about him moving potentially more to center. And I think that that will come at the expense of a player like Jarrett Allen. Um, He also has a risk of being traded at some point this season. 
which might not necessarily be a bad thing for him, but it just brings along it more uncertainty. But I think that the value that Jarrett Allen brings to the Cleveland Cavaliers is slowly diminishing in their eyes. They they definitely do need to get some more floor spacing out there. It can be tough with he and Mobley both on the court together, especially if you have another player like Isaac Okoro or, or one of those other guys that aren't really excellent floor spaces. He's a solid player. He's a good defender, but in terms of his defense versus his offense, it's it's probably more leaning towards the fact that they can't live with his lack of offense for the defense that he provides because you've got someone so good in Evan Mobley who could also be a great offensive player, a great uh, playmaking guy um, from the post as well. So I do think that we are in for a regression for Jarrett Allen this season. This I don't know if that's controversial. I've seen him going a lot higher than I would be comfortable drafting him. Let me just check Yahoo and where he's ranked at the moment. I think that he's someone that, if you're not careful, he could really fall off this season, especially as we get further into the year. So he's someone that I'm pretty actively avoiding in most spots. I, I don't, I haven't seen him get down to a spot yet where I've been happy to draft him. I'm just checking on Yahoo where he is ranked at the moment. So he is ranked at 56. I probably am not drafting him within 20 spots of that. I think outside 75 is usually where I would want him to fall for me to get him. And I just don't usually see that happening. Um, Now, he might tick along at that sort of 50 to 60 range for a little while, maybe even higher than that for a little while because of his great field goal percentage, decent enough blocks and um, you know, rebounds are solid, but I just think that there's not really much upside from there and a whole lot of downside depending on how they uh, view Mobley and, and the minute split that they have going on there. Last season, he averaged 32.6 minutes. I can see that going down to like a 28-minute-a-night roll, um, so a loss of about four minutes there. And again, that's all it really takes for a lot of these players to go from the 50th-ranked player to the 75th or 80th ranked guy. It, it is quite close in that kind of a bunch of guys. Um, throw in the mix of potential risk of, of trades in the second half of the season. Who knows where he ends up, what his role will be on a new team. I mean, I still think even if he is traded, he's a young center, 25 years old. He, he probably deserves to be a starting center at somewhere in the league. But in a team like this, when, when Mobley is there, personally, I think they're starting to see the value of getting players like George Yang more time at the four, space the floor. You've got Max Struess in there. So if you can have a lineup of Garland, Mitchell, Struess, Niang, and then Mobley, who covers up a lot of that lack of defense there as well, I think that that's maybe something they're going to try to do a little bit more this season. So I think that Jarrett Allen is at risk of regressing this season. Another one here, another old guy, Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul is someone that I am quite concerned about. Um, In doing a lot of research this season, um, one of the fun stats that I found is that Chris Paul has never, ever had a season where he's ranked outside the top 40 in fantasy basketball. I am predicting this to be the first of his career. I don't think that's a hot take, but I also think that there is a real risk that he completely falls off the map this season. He is turning... So he's 38 years old, um... He played, what did he play, 32 minutes a night last season, going to Golden State. I hate, I don't hate it, but so far, I don't think I like the fit with him and that team playing alongside Draymond Green, especially. Um, You've got two reluctant shooters whose primary value to a team is playmaking. I mean, Green, you could obviously argue it's defense, but 
the value of Draymond has been that guy who can play make from the forward position, defend fours, defend centers. Chris Paul, his pace of his style of play is a slower pace compared to the Warriors' up tempo, quick ball movement. They don't like the ball to necessarily stick in guys' hands, but that's how Paul likes it. Um, I just I have a trouble projecting him for more than twenty seven or twenty eight minutes a night. I also think that on this team, when there's other playmakers. Steph and Draymond, the assists are going to take a hit in a per-minute sense as well. He's another year older. I don't know if even if he finishes the season on the Golden State Warriors because I just really don't know how this is going to work in, in Golden State um, because I think that his strength is almost diametrically opposed to the strength of the Warriors and their success in the past because of the way he plays in that slow, methodical kind of way, which has worked for him. Of course, he's going to keep doing it. And he, by reputation, he's going to be allowed to do that a little bit as well. But the success of the Warriors has been get the ball up the court, move it around. Steph's going to run, run around screens, try and, and, and move the ball quickly, whereas Chris Paul is normally the guy. He's, he's the... He plays chess. Like, he's out there manipulating guys, telling people where to go. I just don't think the um, the Warriors are going to want him to do that as much as what he's done in the past. And I think that he might struggle to adjust that. So, I mean, once you get past maybe pick 65, 70, you might want to take apart the assists. Probably will still be there, but he won't score. The blocks and rebounds won't really be there either. Um, just starting to become a bit more of a specialist. Like, do you like? Would you rather Tyus Jones or Chris Paul? Like, I kind of see them fairly similar this season, and um, I think you might be able to get one a little bit later than the other. And and there's just more concerns with Chris Paul this season. Um, I don't know if that's a controversial take, but that's that's the concerns that I have for Chris Paul. So, so level of four there, not quite a five like that of a Brook Lopez, but I do think that he can definitely fall away this season. Next guy here, again, another concern level of five, and that is Nikola Vucevic. Now, I was down on Vucevic last season. I guess you could say I got that wrong, but but what we didn't expect for Vucevic last season, previous seasons he was at 47.7, 47.7, and 47.3% field goal percentage last season jumped up to 52%. So an extra nearly 5% increase on his field goal. Um, He did see a drop in his field goal attempts. So from the previous year, he was at 16.7, 20 attempts, 16 attempts, down to 14 attempts last year. But the increase in field goal percentage offset that a little bit. So I'm expecting that definitely to come back down to that 47, 48 mark this season. It was kind of a bit more of an out-of-the-box statistic for him. And in my projections, even if I just do that, maybe take a minute off him and go from 33.5 to 32, 31 minutes, that's enough for him. A player, again, doesn't have the steals and blocks to really boost his value. In my projections, that's really all I've changed for him. And he has fallen right back down to someone that is, in a minus one sense, ranked outside the top 75. He probably projects better in a nine category sense because he is that even across the board contributor. But when you punt in head-to-head leagues, a lot of other players jump ahead of him because they benefit from you know you punting certain categories, whereas he doesn't really benefit all that much. So he falls back a little bit here. Actually, in my projections, I've got him projected at 49%, so better than all those other seasons, just a little bit worse than last season. 
and that is enough to fall him back to the mid-70s. So if he goes back to a 47, let me actually do that in my um, projections here. And for those who are on um, the Ball Boys um, season guide, you can go and check this one out. If I make that a 47% from the field, that drops him into the mid-80s as well. So as a guy who sometimes gets drafted in the third round because of his consistency, because he plays 82 games or whatever like that, I think that is huge downside that I would not really want to be a part of. I think that uh, in most instances, he's going far too early. He doesn't present upside where he's being drafted. Um, Again, let me check Yahoo and where he is going. Um... So Yahoo's ranked him at 36, which is basically what he did uh, last season. Again, yeah, he played all 82 games. How likely is that to repeat itself for a guy who is 33 years old? I just don't. There's no upside to me at that point. You were getting zero upside, and you are potentially getting 50 spots of downside as well. So for me, that is not someone who I really want to draft that high. I'm definitely fading him outside the top 60, 65, in my opinion, because... Yeah, I just think it's very easy, very, very easy to expect him to take a drop-off in that field goal percentage, and that's enough to really drop him right down. Next guy here, another warrior, Draymond Green. Um, Similar kind of concerns with him as Chris Paul. Just hate the fit of those two guys together. He's also a guy who's just slowly declining year after year. The the defensive stats are still decent, but again, when you're relying on defensive stats being your value on a week-to-week basis, that can vary a ton. It looks okay when you look at it as an average, um, but some weeks he might give you a bunch of defensive stats, some weeks he might give you none, and then when he gives you none, he's not giving you anything. Uh, and then with Chris Paul coming over, I think that hurts his assists. Uh, maybe he plays a bit more at center, which could help his rebounding and block numbers, so I'm less concerned, concern level of two for him. I also don't necessarily have the concern of him being traded as a small thing to worry about with Chris Paul. He's obviously younger than Chris Paul by... Five years, um, and even then, he's you know thirty three and a half years old. So, going down in his career the last several seasons, so not as concerned. But I'm starting to not really love Draymond Green, even in a punt point setting, because everything just each year just slowly gets worse and worse, and it's getting slow to the point where it's hard to rely on him on a week to week basis. Um, obviously, if you are punting points, there's definitely value there, but. I think there are other better guys that do a similar to him that are starting to emerge uh, in that punt points category. So he is someone that I think I'm just expecting a little bit less this season. And then the last guy in today's podcast, Buddy Heald is the last regression candidate just on the fact that there's a few new inclusions in this team. You've got Bruce Brown who's come over into this team. I expect he will start. I also think that there's a potential for... Benedict Matherin to maybe start at the two or the three. Maybe that moves Buddy Heald to the bench role. If nothing else, I think it reduces his minutes. I also think it reduces his uh, usage and touches. And again, on a player that relies on that, high volume threes to get his scoring, the free throw percentage... um, you know, he doesn't get the to line very often, but he's not a big steals or blocks guy. He doesn't get a lot of rebounds either. Um, the assists aren't really there because he's you know playing next to players like Tyrese Halliburton. So as soon as you see a, a drop in minutes and usage, that's a big hit for a player like Buddy Heald. So he was the 53rd ranked player. I would not really be wanting to draft him inside the top 100, in my opinion. I just think that there is a lot of scope for him to really fall away. 
And again, three-pointers, yes, he put up 3.6, which is elite in that category, but you can get guys that put up two, two and a half threes off the waiver wire. Um, and so when a player like this has concerns about his role, his minutes, um, without much else there to sort of back it up, I think that he's a he's a pretty decent regression candidate. So my concern level is four out of five there. Fairly confident that he drops away a decent amount this season. So... That will do it for us today, guys. Let us know what your thoughts are. And if I've missed anyone else that you think could regress a lot this season, there's a bunch of other old players we could have named, but I think a lot of them that I didn't name are in a similar kind of role. So you might just see them tick away a little bit without a huge fall off. Uh, But these are the guys that I see the risk that there is a fairly sizable hit in their value this this season. Some of them have been drafted with that in mind. Some of them are not. So keep that in mind. I will be going through some more specific busts and sleepers soon, probably next week. Um, Tomorrow we'll be doing our 20-team mock draft with B-Dub. Hopefully the Fantrax site holds up. Last time we tried to do it, it just crashed randomly all of a sudden. So stay on the lookout for that one. That will be really good practice for those of you who are keen on, you know, competing in the Ball Boys Championship 30 League, which is a 30-team head-to-head league that you can do to verse me to head on over and... Um, join that league, please go over to the Apple Podcast side of this podcast. Give it a five-star rating and review. Drop in your Twitter handle in there, and I will contact the winners soon to get in and verse me and potentially win some money. Until then, guys, catch us later. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.